1: Hello everyone and welcome back. This is The Ruck from The Times and The Sunday Times. Thanks so much again for joining us. It's the first Ruck of 2023, World Cup year is upon us. I'm Will Callagher and apologies if I sound a bit groggy and full of cold. After one day back at work, I think I need a break again. But never fear, if I'm lethargic, then my two guests will pick up the pace. First, Stuart Barnes. Spent a lifetime at Fly Half doing that, didn't he, Stuart? How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Happy New
2: Year to you and everyone else. I would like to think uh, I spent about 10 years dithering, working out which way to go. But I got somewhere in the end. Yeah.
1: Where, I don't know. And also joining us down the line, and we're not in the studio today, thanks to the train strikes, um, is Stephen Jones. And we were just talking off air, Steve. Come April, we reckon this is your 40th year as the Sunday Times correspondent. Over the hill... What do we think, Stuart? Well,
3: look, Murdoch keeps ringing me, rings me about every, Mr. Murdoch rings me about every couple of weeks. said, he's still okay, still going? (laughs) Like your piece last week. He said, give it another five, five more years, he keeps on saying, which is (laughs) no way I'm going to do. But uh, I don't like, uh, not a big thing about anniversaries, mainly because I forgot my most birthdays as well. But, um, uh, it's it, it's a big number, but I, I love it well as much as I ever did. And all I ever wanted to do was to work for a newspaper and I work for the big, the biggest and best.
2: Well, it's an, ama- it's an amazing thing. I, Steve interviewed me a thousand years ago when I was playing and he had an infectious enthusiasm then. Uh, and I think he loves the game even more now. And God knows he talks a load of rubbish sometimes, but my God, his passion for the game, fantastic Jonesy. Thank, thank you, thank you, Barnsey. I I remember the interview, or at least remember one of them. it was in Bristol.
3: When I listened to the tape, there was a keep con- a continual refrain. Could you bring another one of those, please, mate? With, Bar- with Barnsey pointing to the empty bottle.
2: <laughs> it was stellar in those days.
3: Uh, that was those were the days. But uh, look, rugby's rugby's huge now. It's not. It's not um, as orderly as it could have been it's all every bit as frustrating as it always was but you know what this year boys um we've got a world cup we've got six nations and lots of stuff happening hopefully the administration will finally wake up so no prisoners in 2023
1: yeah perfect so Stuart you and Steve were actually at games over the the Christmas and New Year break where Alex Lowe and I were having some days off and stuff for that where where did you make it down to Barnsley
2: Well, I'd had New Year's Eve off, um, but the 24th, I was in Exeter. um, And that was the second game I'd seen the Chiefs in. um, And I thought it was, they they beat bar 15-10. And I was queuing for the, the VIP bus to the media parking afterwards. And everyone saying, what a great game that was. And I thought it was awful. I thought it was a game with the referee blowing whistles. One team kicked to the corner, they went for a drive-in line-out, occasionally they scored, occasionally they didn't. The other team got a penalty, they did the same. I thought it was th- the worst of rugby. Yet, it- it's always fascinating because if you're committed to your team, the fans of Exeter because they won thought it was great, the Bath fans thought it had been exciting and their team were brilliant. Um, and it was an interesting reminder that uh, there are many ways to look at life and rugby.
3: look yeah. Very interesting what you say, Stuart. I, I, I interviewed Yian Evans last week, and we were talking about r- lovely rugby and the Welsh heritage. And Yayan said, and I agreed with him, that actually you give you, you give loyal fans the choice of a three nil win or a 28, twenty eight twenty six defeat, they take the win every time. And I guess that's something we don't we don't have to accept that, you know, boring rugby as journalists. But I just think we sometimes forget that that uh, you know, if, if the extra the fans w- went away happy and uh, worried about the level of performance or the, or the greatness of it afterwards.
1: Well, Steve, they must have been a bit worried at the game you were at. Uh, Saracens absolutely demolished them the other day when you were at the Stonex, didn't they? Yeah, I was talking to Stuart
3: about this. and he, One thing you have to remember, Will, is that whatever you thought the conditions were like on TV, they were nothing remotely like it. It was like a hurricane. The wind was so capricious that balls would be up in the air, and they'd actually moved two ways before they came back to the ground. It was lashing with rain, freezing cold, and it was, um, in its context, it was one of the best bad weather performances I've ever seen. Uh, you, we all thought there would be a lot of mistakes, a lot of bad kicking. Saracens played as if they were playing on a windless day in the in the Sahara Desert. They were absolutely wonderful. They fit. They fitted their game plan completely around the conditions, they they put away uh, 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 Exeter Club was a great club not maybe not a great side at the moment but certainly came to compete and I was actually uh, in awe of it afterwards and and I don't think even the coaches of or- or Owen Farrell who spoke to us uh,
1: could believe how well they played. Yeah, I, I blame my cold on the one day I did actually do a game over the Christmas and New Year was the Bristol Harlequins game at the Stoop which was moved from Twickenham. Luckily, I was (laughs) ensconced in the warm, but that was a lashing old day, that as well, and had the whole Joe Marler situation that people would have read about in the Times. Um, But we'll get into the Premiership in a minute, uh, but just as a marker for your card for today's podcast, we've got loads to get into. We'll take you through the latest from the Premiership, recapping the weekend that was gone, and looking forward to the one that's coming. We're going to chat to Saracens of Wales Centre, Nick Tompkins, after, as Steve was saying, his fine. Club win over Exeter the other day. And we'll delve into a little bit of England chatter with Steve Borthwick, the New England coach. We've got to get used to that. Making changes to his coaching setup, And of course, for the first time in 2023, but not the last, we'll name our God, Goddess or maybe a Devil of the Week. A festive round of Premiership action, they had some really high scoring, big victories for Saracens and Sale and also a, a grubby old one, Eight six Gloucester London Irish a Bath win in there which are, uh, rare to come by sometimes these days but they've moved up the table and I was looking at the table actually guys and there's ten points between bottom Bristol and third place which is remarkable really so have a whole load of moving over the next few months but let's start where you were Steve and you were very impressed with Saracens um and their wet weather win but yeah, yeah. you making that from the telly.
2: I was glad I wasn't sitting alongside Steve for once in my life. I thought they were magnificent. I could see the conditions were awful. I could see the control. I Like Jones, I was thinking that this is one of the best horrible conditions rugby I've seen. There was a, mm. a New Zealand game where they beat the Aussies, 43-3, I don't know, 20 years ago. Yeah. And I was in awe of it. But this one was different. This one was fascinating because Saracens are... Um, making a mockery of those who have said now that they're a sort of just a hard, attritional spirited club. The balance to their game was excellent. And I haven't always been his biggest fan, although he has been my God of the week once this season. Um but I was sitting with a friend having a glass of wine and I just said, Jesus Christ, Owen Farrell is doing everything. His his kicking for territory, his pressure kicking, his uh technical try uh, sort of a straightforward one beautiful missed pass and then the one sort of reverse pass he did it all in those conditions and what i more than anything else i noticed that farrell seemed to be smiling throughout uh, and it does take me back to the england cricket team and what uh the management and the captaincy are saying, if you enjoy yourself, it makes it so much different. Mm. i think thinking back to Farrell playing for England, and he's been incredibly loyal to Eddie Jones, but it was like uh, 80 minutes of pain and anger that you were just trying to hold. When he plays for Saracen, it's like he's gone to Woodstock and he's having a good time and a uh, uh, uh. different player when he's relaxed, and it makes all the difference, and that more than anything else, should be something Steve Borthwick should be thinking as he moves towards the Six Nations of the World Cup. Get the yeah. players enjoying themselves. Take the pressure away. Let them go loose. For our younger
3: uh, listeners, we ought to explain what Woodstock was or do you think they're all right? <laughs> You're quite right about Owen Farrell. He was really up for it and uplifted by it all and actually came into uh, the media conference afterwards. which doesn't often do and was charming, loquacious, and and uh, really, really, really interesting. And one of the points he made was that um, uh, the, 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 they've got a definite next Saracens team coming through now. They've got a couple of good, good props up front. They've got Theo McFarlane when he's fit again. Uh, the team is still quite young, and um, the, the veteran wins, McFarlane, Lewin, uh, Maitland Lewington, still going well. But it, it was things like, um, the week before, they've been cleaned out in the lineout against London Irish. They're playing without Theo McFarland, who for me is the best young player to emerge in the Premiership. And then they come out and play in 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 in, in howling wins. They think well, the lineout is so key, I think they won everyone on their own throw thanks to Jamie George and um, uh, Nicky uh and M- Maru Itoji. And I think they won about three or four of uh, of um, of uh, three or four of exodus as well now that is all black stuff when something goes bad by next week you've fixed it and and, and they fixed it so um i'm not saying they're a great side yet i don't think they're as, as great as the team uh which won their trophies but they are getting there and they are laying down bricks and mortar for uh the next four or five seasons
1: we'll talk loads more about saracens with nick tolkins in a little bit on the podcast but i I'd like to pick up that point you made Stuart about Farrell seeming a bit more relaxed and a bit more um well with a bit more of a smile on his face I totally agree because when he was with the England stuff in the autumn he was so much more noticeably um open in his own way like he's never going to be a Carl Sinkler or an Alice Genge character who's bearing his life and soul but he was far more relaxed with us in the press when he hasn't been in years gone by and he just seems comfortable in his skin i've even noticed that he's now posting stuff about matches on instagram and all that so it's a tiny little thing but you just feel like i don't know he's getting to the third act of his career and he's he's more comfortable in his own skin for the first time um, i can't
2: i can't think will of any flyer or any rugby player who hasn't improved for being relaxed. Relaxate, but the, the trouble is we have so many coaches and they're telling you, you you've you got to shift this weight and you've got to make this many tackles and you've got to hit this many ruck. If you say to them, run the game, be yourself, control it. Rugby is a mental game as much as a physical game. And now that Farrell is is is, is being adept mentally as opposed to trying to just be an out-and-out physical fly-half-stroke centre, then he's a better player, he's a happier player, he's a different player completely.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think we should move on now to Sale. Uh, absolutely remarkable results, and maybe Leicester are at the end of their sort of emotional tether with all they've gone through in the last few weeks with changing coaches and a bit of uncertainty, but Sale hammered them 40-5, to 5, and Sale's pack looked pretty strong from the bits I saw of the game. And another hat tip to the guys up there as well is that they almost had 10,000 people in, which I know has been a a struggle this season and ones in previous years. So fair play to everyone to fill that out. That was epic effort. But what about the the game itself, guys? I mean, Salem 10 points behind Sarri, second in the league. They've got a couple of tasty European games to come with Toulouse and Ulster. Um, They're they're kind of quietly building a really decent season, aren't they? You definitely, well,
3: and um, you know, there, there still without they, they played without who they thought might be their two first choice fly halves. Um, but what, what I was impressed by was, okay, we we knew certain people people would be playing well. I think that they must. I, I'm not even sure whether they will, but I think they must give Manu to Tuilangi at least a couple more games before they discard him on his autumn form. But I thought he looked far fitter. Uh, and quicker but it was plays let me just bring up one person simon mcintyre when he was at wasps was noted throughout the premiership for being one of the worst collapsing tight head props in in the sport and i can remember people remember gary gold when he was coaching newcastle coming in and uh berating this wasp tight head prop when well, he's changed to loose head prop and i thought he was absolutely immense with in the scrum with the ball in hand and certainly anyone with any uh that n- vision would, would, would be looking at him uh as a as a england squad player fringe maybe i thought he was incredible and i thought uh and again you know luke james sam james behind the scrum they're not household names but i have never been there without thinking blimey here are two guys Who are thriving in the modern era, but Stuart, they would have been, they are so skillful and so clever, they could have played in any era. And I absolutely
2: love both of them. Yeah, they're very understated players, aren't they? And I think that's one of the things about Alex Sanderson. There's no trumpets, there's no great ego. They're just getting on with it. And I I felt that they look, they could be the, the only danger, perhaps, to Saracens because they have a scrummage that seems intent on dominating and not um, kidding referees. I'm fed up with collective yeah. scrums and nobody knows what's going on. Sailor going for it, so that would be the one thing that I would say about it. Second thing, which is a broader point, is Sailor undoubtedly um, one of the leading clubs in England in the second round of Europe. They scrummaged very well. Their pack went quite well. But in Toulouse, they got absolutely slaughtered uh, because the Toulouse back play... Well, no, the, the Toulouse attacking play was so good. And and I think that's just a reminder how tough it's going to be for English clubs in Europe uh, yeah. in the immediate future of this season. Um, Saylor are a good team. I enjoy watching them play. But they played to lose, and they they couldn't live with them. Now it'll it'll be a bit different in Manchester, um, but it was it was blood curdling to see what Toulouse did to Sale.
1: Let's move on, lads. To I mentioned that game I was at um, just after Christmas, the Quinns Bristol one, and it was funny that because after it, uh, Pat Lamb was talking about them moving off the bottom and a big result, and when you're at the bottom, people start chattering, and it's maybe not anything that you're doing wrong it's just a competitive league and obviously because then they had a bye week over new year then they've ended at bottom again so (laughs) it's a funny old league at the moment isn't it but quins have had a bit of a a rubbish couple of weeks haven't they with the joe marler thing uh that we can talk a little bit about um in that bristol game where he abused jake heenan's mother um and then copped a ban uh it was six weeks reduced down to with four suspended for the rest of the season but then the the following weekend a few days later um, Northampton absolutely took them to the sword didn't they with an amazing 46-17 win so Quinn's struggling Steve a little bit they're still third in the league but they've had a couple of those results that have gone against them
3: Yeah I think they've had had a few players out they've had um, uh, Esther Hudson is not quite the player he he was for them at the moment maybe that's something to do with the absence of, of Marcus Smith or maybe that makes it better. Um, I, and look, the thing is with it, it, it's you wouldn't be surprised if Quinns came out fighting and 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 won the next one, will, because um, look, it's been a depressing year for the season for the Premiership, losing two clubs, which is horrible. Rumours of other financial uh, um, uh, problems, but when it comes out to it on the field, eighty percent of it is absolutely compelling, really, really good. Uh, and it's nice that the big crowds came out this this weekend, and it, it, uh, I, I think Queens are. I think they'll struggle to reach the top four, but I, I do think that um, it's a strong league, and anyone, almost anyone, could beat almost anyone else on the day. Let's put it that way.
1: Well, on on that note, the the next round of fixtures this coming weekend are pretty tasty, really. At the top of the table, you've got Harlequins at home to Sale on the Sunday, and you've also on the Friday got Gloucester Sarri. So all the top four playing each other. And actually, that top four all lost over Christmas. So where did you see those ones going, Stuart?
2: Well,
3: can can I just get in first there, Stuart? Because uh, there are two Saturday games which are relevant for uh, Sunday newspapers, obviously. One is in Newcastle and one is in Exeter. So we'd really like to thank your mate, Mick Lynch, for withdrawing the trains. So we've got to come out in holiday time and go all the way to Northampton or Exeter. As I've chosen Exeter, I'd look forward to you setting off for Geordieland within the next day or two.
2: Well, Steve, I'm about to say goodbye now and, and start walking because there's no <laughs> other way. There's nowhere to get there. Bye for. It's a pilgrim. It's a pilgrim's progress.
1: Everyone up at Newcastle celebrating this week because it's a very rare appearance they're going to make on BT Sport. I think it's only the second time they've been on the telly this yeah, year. Yeah, I know, I know. Not I know. break, is it? But I know no, I- that's
3: wrong. That's wrong. Oh. You,
2: you did, you're right. You're right. Will getting back to that thing about anyone can beat anyone, I'm not so certain. It, yeah, it,
3: really?
2: in a Christmas in a Christmas period, the focus changes slightly. I know they're professional, but there's just a little dip and the Friday night thing. If if you look to Newcastle's wins over the years, Friday night at home, it is not a sort of balance of it. That's when they, they win a lot of games then. And, and, you know, London Irish versus Saracens. It is, it, it, it was pretty hard 30 years ago playing a Friday night game. No one liked it and no one likes it now. And it's an opportunity for talented teams. Um, but I think there's 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 quite a big discrepancy between a top team playing away on a Friday night and a bottom team playing at home on a Friday night. I think it is an opportunity, and I think we should just be careful before um, we buy into Pat Lamb's, some would say, justification, some would say excuse about anyone could beat anyone.
1: Okay. Right, guys. So we'll probably have a chat with Nick Tompkins in a second. Um But just to get a little run through of where you think things are going to go. I know it's so early, isn't it, to say, but we've got five months or so until the end of the season. But as we stand here now, I'm putting you on the spot, and I'm saying, who are your playoffs and who's your winner from now? Stuart, you can go first.
2: Uh, Saracens. Uh, Saracens, Sale. Harlequins. Gloucester. It's interesting.
3: I, I I think Gloucester could be there, but they are still lacking something. They still haven't got the teak hard Mike Teague attitudes there somehow. And I think they 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 can win it. They are a team that can win any game, but are also vulnerable. So I'd say I'd say um, with Nipton Northampton's uh, recent charge, I see uh, Salem and Northampton, the third place is up for grabs, I think, between say Quins and Gloucester. But um, it's going to be a good, good four, whoever they are. Yeah. And I uh, wouldn't go so far as to say at the moment that Saracens are. Still think Saracens are slightly underpowered somewhere. I think probably I'm always, always thinking of the great Will Skelton not being there. Mm. But uh Sale Saracens, if you said, no, that's the final, uh, we, I'd love that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That,
2: that would be the only, the only possible... Scenario right now where I could see Saracens not winning it because sale might just bloody their noses a bit. Yeah, beat them up. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I reckon I, I'd agree on those two. I'd say that Northampton, although all their attacking stats are remarkably good and up there with Saracens, their defensive ones are desperate, really. They, and I know they won very well the other day, but they're conceding so many points. So they'd need to shore that up before they can get into the top four, I'd say. And I wouldn't write off Leicester necessarily. They're only a few points back and they've had a bit of disruptive time. So I reckon I'm going to go Saracen Sale, Gloucester, Leicester. There you go. Okay. Right. It's moving out. Right. So next on the podcast, we're going to chat to Nick Tompkins of Wales and Saracen's Centre. He's been standing alongside Owen Farrell. So tell us a bit about that and his prospects for the Warren Gatland era, Mark II, and everything else. So that's up next on the podcast.
0: VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen.
3: VoiceOver on. Settings.
0: So you can navigate it just by listening.
3: Books. Contacts. Calendar. double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11.
0: And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone.
3: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?
0: to get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: Lovely to be joined by Nick Tompkins, Saracens and Wales Centre. How are you, Nick?
4: Very good. Yeah, thank you, for, thank you very much for having me. I was, I just, we were just earlier just complaining about my man's sleep. You know. Yeah. We're oh.
1: powering through, aren't we? We're both full of cold. And so have you not managed to make it through to training today?
4: No, I, uh, I I had to call up with the comms and I called up and said I couldn't come, so I'm getting a lot of stick tomorrow from all the boys. <laughs> Honestly,
1: especially when they say that you, you spend your day off coming on our podcast, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! <well. laughs> How's things? i a great win the other day against Exeter. Does that mean that you guys managed to have a bit of a New Year celebration? What's it like around New Year for rugby players?
4: Yeah, with, um, mate, it's been pretty like... It's been pretty decent this year so we had uh our, our game against london which wasn't great but still the timing on it was was meant that we could all go home to our families for a couple of days and then we had the new year's game which is a great time for us uh if it's a home game and it was and then got the win which was really satisfying and then yeah we we all i think we all did our own thing went out saw our families uh had a bit of a party and stuff so yeah, it was uh it was it brilliant how it worked out and um the, the game really helped. That uh, all of us kind of we, well, we needed that after after we, what went on with the large game. I think we needed a bit of response.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we're not blaming the the flu or the cold on the night out, are we? That's, no, no, no. Just no, dispel, no. dispel that rumor straight away. I, I didn't go out. I said other lads went out. I, I just uh, I was okay. in bed. Well played. All right. As he necks another Barocca. <laughs> 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 um. So, yeah, I mean, the game itself was wet and wild, wasn't it? Yeah. We were chatting earlier on our podcast and saying wind was blowing in about three different directions, but you managed it well. What change? I mean, it's kind of obvious, maybe, but what changes for you on the field when it's blowing a hoolie like that? So,
4: obviously, like, obviously, like, the things change. Like, you obviously not going to be able to run it as much as you can or, or uh, play really expansively as you can. It'll be, you can't be as reckless as you want. Also, really help it makes kicking actually a lot harder because you think if you kick him into the wind, it's pretty difficult off nine to ask for nine to, to kick however far and, and get yourself out of danger. So you, you actually end up running it a little bit more or doing more contestables, 10 or other things. So it does change a lot of the game. But for us, we said that it might change that aspect of it, but it can't change the way we play. So we still all need to get back. We still all need to be ready to play, be ready to run and take the opportunities when we can, which is that's, I think, where we fell down in, in other years, especially against, think about the final against Leicester. Um, we fell into a trap where we just, we kind of were happy just to kick, and, and we kept that same game going back and forth of kicking off nine. They recovered. They had a, a, a carry. Then they kicked off nine. And and we kind of made a decision, a conscious, conscious decision then to, we need to change it up a little bit. We can't just carry on with this same old. We need to change. We need to uh, change the rhythm and attack them in a different way. So from that, we, we've kind of developed this thing. And even though the weather was it was today, yeah, sorry, the other day, um, you still saw a lot of boys working back, getting ready like we're going to run. And I think it makes a massive difference in all aspects of the game, especially the kicking game, but also the running as well.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's very noticeable on oh, when you look at the stats and I know they're not everything that you have done that with I think Elliot Daly and Owen Farrell are right at the top of the offloading charts with Ben Earl I think four out of the top six in the prem of offloads are all Sari's players so yeah. is, is that been something that, that Owen particularly has driven over the summer and into the season that you need that plan B and a, a different way of attacking?
4: Yeah, I like and I, I think you have to say that Owen's been the main callus for that I mean obviously the brilliant coaches that we've had and we were kind of coming up with a plan. but when he came in he brought this kind of he just brought this attitude where he'd obviously had a thought look back at the last season and we just thought right well we need to he just thought we need to change this or we need to we need to be better and we need to start we we can't just we're just accepting things at the moment we need to we need to really start attacking teams and kind of and and just mould ourselves and make ourselves into something different and, and not just be happy with the same old series kind of thing. And so he brought this stuff in, he brought this attack in, um, in terms of he brought the detail in it and, and how we want to, how it looks and how we want to do it in training and stuff. And everyone's bought into it. And I suppose it's, I don't really look at any of the stats, but it, I suppose it's, it's all through. And, and I mean, look at the way we're going. So,
1: yeah, absolutely. Talk to me about Owen. I mean, he, it seems from us watching from the outside that he had that little injury about this time last year and then another one the other ankle went didn't he and he spent that time it seems working on his own game and has come back and added levels i mean it's not as if he didn't have them before but he's he looks like he's really enjoying himself and that that pass out the back was a demonstrative thing wasn't it and (laughs) smiling and laughing and he's even posting on instagram a bit more like what's (laughs) happened to him
4: unheard or (laughs) (laughs) yeah i yeah he's had i mean last year was a really tough time for the injuries I mean one of the injuries I think I stepped on him and tried
1: and did his other ankle which... oh no it's your fault yeah I know terrible it is well allowed. I felt horrendous um... and that your Welsh side coming out just saying yeah, it's coming up. out well,
4: <laughs> but, um, but he like he's had like so much pressure and so much so much game time ways in the whole time and he's on and then he's had these injuries so it's it must have been really tough for him and, and it has been tough actually I think coming back the last couple of weeks, because we're all pretty um, banged up as a team. Um, we've all got niggles and stuff, but I know he's he uh, can struggle sometimes with his ankles because they're, they're pretty rough. And he's like, we don't really get that much time to really and stuff, so you just get on with it. And I know he's been struggling, like getting on with it and power through that. So I think it was important for all of us to get that kind of game against Exeter where it was, it was it, the feeling of it felt so good. And you saw like, it just lifts everyone up so much more when you get that kind of output in training and in game, everyone feels so much lighter and better. And I think, especially for Owen, who has a lot on his shoulders, who's leading so much, um, you want to show him and you want to like, you want to perform for him and, and train for him and make sure, we, you know, he gets as much out of it as you do. So, but that shows, I think it just shows how he felt about what the hell the team's at at the moment. Especially after that end, so it's looking good. We were pretty, we were pretty, we had to have a couple of honest words with ourselves. And um, even though it was only one loss against London Irish, but we had to have a conversation where we've been coasting through Chaining a little bit and we've been coasting through it a little bit. So we needed that conversation, and I think it's been a good thing because, well, look at the response. But hopefully, it continues. So I think it's going to be a good
1: thing. But it's, um, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when you're standing at twelve outside Owen. Um everyone tells us about how much of a coach he is on and off the field. But tactically what, what's it like when is it just so much easier do you have that clarity of where you need to be all the time? Um is he barking at you all the time or is it what's it like? Is he calm?
4: Yeah, he's a combination of I think a combination of all of it, barking at me, uh, telling me uh, if I say something I, I usually come out with something pretty stupid and he laughs at me and why tells me "shower," um, so that's quite fun. I think for me as a twelve, um, like I've got one of obviously the tactician, obviously that side's gonna be amazing. His motivation is pretty special, right? Like when you're lined up, and you're getting ready and you've got these guys in front of you he's like he's like, Let's go get it. let's go get it. and he's pointing around and stuff, like, let's go and he's and he's like the way he brings me along with it, like it just gets you up and like to have that you don't have that usually as a ten who wants to go out and people really go from which is like it just it makes you want to be like yeah I'm like don't want to get on wanna get on side i want to get with that so it's um it gives you so much confidence in that area which I, I think is unique because there's a lot of tens I've played unbelievable tens that do run the game just like as well and they're just they're fantastic and stuff but there's not many that I've met who have that kind of fight hunger in that side of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What about your own game as well? I mean, you, you seem to have settled nicely into that role at twelve. You, you take the ball to the line a bit off the first phase, as the old Brad Barrett line wasn't it? With in the early days, Are you enjoying yourself at as the ball running twelve. Yeah, I I love it. Like I I
4: love every aspect of like, that. Taking it to the line, um, giving it out the back, giving it to the tip, or carrying myself. I, I like. I can't think of anything better for me because it just get like that's why i love not doing it. I want to get in the game and I get to do it off first page. So I get, I hopefully get to do it a fair bit. Um, I've struggled a couple of these past couple of weeks. I think I've been a bit um, off it. My body's a bit been a bit um, sore and stuff. There's some things I'm carrying through. But it's been good to kind of look at that and and and, and think what I need to do. But I've loved every second of that. And I also, I enjoy I want to get better at it, and then I look at there's some players out there. that I look who who are really good at it. Dingwall is fantastic at it for Northampton. So, uh, so is Hutchinson as well. Rory Hutchinson. They're both very good at that. taking it to the line, pulling it out. So I think I love that that aspect of 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 that game um, a lot, and just trying to get as best they as can at it.
1: It's a, it's a funny opposition, isn't it? Twelve. I mean, it's it's one where when we have to play our fancy rugby and pick teams of the year or teams of the season or something like that, it's always a weird one of what sort of 12 do you want? Is it a sort of playmaking? We know it obviously plays a bit of 12 for England, doesn't he? And 10 for you guys. But then you've got your sort of manager, Lange Types, or your Andrew Esther Hazens, and then you guys and Dingwall and Hapson, you mentioned not big lads, but they're dynamic and they're playmakers. It's a weird position, isn't it? It's sort of all things to all people inside centre.
4: Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think you need, I think you can have, you obviously can have whatever you want and whatever suits you, suits you, fled your boat your slave and stuff, but what you do need to have is, if you're going to have a centre punch, you need someone who's going to be able to carry, someone on 13 or 12 who's going to have to carry, and also at least one of you is going to have to be able to um, be a good game manager in terms of organising the forwards and calling stuff out the back. I'm very fortunate I played with Elliot Daly and Lazarski and Duncan, but Elliot Daly and Rozo and, and are both fantastic at it. And especially out the back calling stuff is like phenomenal. Um but then you look at I think you look at the English you're married to an I don't I don't know I've never played but he's gonna be the unbelievable ball carrier Now I was just think at twelve you need that kind of you need that kind of you probably organizer and, and guys who look all the streams and stuff. And if you're going to play five at ten, so it is an interesting one because you can have them. I like it now because it used to be back in there. I remember it was always like twelve was was a big guy, or you always had like massive centers. The thirteen was a winger was really really quick. But I like it. All these different variations now, where it just makes it so much more interesting how you're going to play the game and you know, how it varies and stuff. You have got all these great lads coming through who aren't massive, but who are elusive and more excited to watch. I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned a few of those guys that you're playing with who are having great seasons, but not they weren't. At least the last time England were picking teams in the yeah. team like Elliot Daly, Lazowski hasn't been in for a few years, has he? Ben Earl. Would you be surprised if they're not in the conversation at least for when Steve Borthwick picks the his first yeah. in a couple of weeks?
4: No question. Like I'd be I'd be shocked. It's not even in the question. I mean, the way they're both playing, um Ben and, and, and Elliot especially, like mate, like, they're on fire. Like Elliott has been on fire for a long, a fair while of the season now, um, uh, and some of the stuff he does is brilliant. I mean, and but then and Beno, like it's 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 crazy. I don't want to I don't want to put too much on the table. It's most pretty, like you know I don't want to jinxing anything, but like the way he's been playing has been has been he's been a proper talent to this team, um, and he's been outstanding. I can't say a little about them both how well they've been so. I can't imagine they're not in the they're not in the conversation at all. Uh, but you know these things happen. Opinions, people want to play a different way, and you can't have it, you can't have it all your way. But they're definitely going to be in the conversation. And if not, that would be be crazy, wouldn't it? But yeah, that's why I'm not a selector. Yeah,
1: well, with your Wales hat on as well, you'd probably prefer it on both sides if they weren't in England squad because they play. Oh for-
4: yeah, keep them out. <laughs> I would tell them that's their face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Where where are you on all that? Because obviously there's been a change with Wales as well, with Wayne Pivak leaving and Warren Gatton coming. And I know yeah. that Wayne was a guy that gave you your first cap and all the others after it. So, do you feel a little bit of I don't know? Do the players feel a bit sorry for him that it ended badly for him at the end of last year?
4: Yeah, I think I think well, 100 percent all the players will feel sorry for him because I think we'll feel like we've let it's part of our like you know we've let him down. You know we've, we've this has happened and it's partly our fault. So I I definitely think that, I mean, Wayne was a great guy, a really nice bloke. And, and, and like, I'm forever grateful for everything he did for me. He gave me my first chance. So, I mean, I'll I'll forever be grateful to him and everything he's done. um, And he's brilliant for me. So I'd always say that to him. And I think later down the line, I'll drop a message and say that I'd still want to straight away. Um, But in terms of, um, well, I I don't know anything. I haven't really heard anything. Uh, I haven't, not expected to hear anything, but, um, it's I suppose it, it's it's exciting really I think that's like it's it's all it's all very unknown I don't know who they're bringing in I think there's rumours of people but Gallon seems like I mean I've, the boys I spoken to way before about how yeah good he was so I mean it's really exciting to, to see what he's like and how he he operates because obviously I mean man's gone that many lines and stuff like that it's going to be fantastic so yeah I'm I'm really excited to see that it'll be really good if I've heard rumours of. Defense coach of Paul Gustav, maybe I think. I mean, I know him personally, and he was fantastic. Uh, Sorry, he's a properly good bloke, so he'd be very good if, if if that was the case. But you know, anyone will be good. So I think with under Gatman.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's it's a funny one, isn't it, for you guys based in England? And I know that there's going to be a hell of a lot of change in Welsh rugby over the next few years, but. Can you just explain how difficult it is when you are picked, when you're flitting in and out? And I know that certainly Wayne would look towards the the Welsh-based player if there was a 50-50. I mean, there's been a couple of times where guys like Callum Sheedy haven't made squads and stuff because of they can't train a lot. Is that just quite tough when you're having to flit in and out?
4: Yeah, I I find it really frustrating because I think it's more to do with politics than it actually is to do with the common sense and logistics of it. And, And that really frustrates me because... Yes, we might miss maybe a week um, here and there, or maybe a game outside the window, and that is tough. Um, but I mean, I just think, I, th- I think because of the politics, it really hampers the player and it also hampers the team. I, I, I think I I, I'm a massive advocate for players having proper autonomy and, and being able to play in, in both leagues. I think if you can't argue how good the, the product of the Premier League is. And the players that have played there, Josh Adams, come back. He's been he was fantastic there, and I was fantastic elsewhere. Liam Williams doing brilliant. Like, I think I personally, I I I would love to see the kind of the sixty cat ball and stuff. um, Not not be there, but like it's not up to me. It's obviously not up to me at all. But you know, I I find that kind of stuff really frustrating because you end up end up really. I'm at a club where I feel happiest, and I'm playing my best rugby. Um, and hopefully it translates to Wales, and yet I still get hampered and still get handshoved for it because just because I'm playing three hours away. Um, so I think I think something needs to change a little bit of it. But I, I, and I also think again we talked about this. Warren Gatland has dealt with this for a long, long time, and I know the boys spoke about how well he does, how good he has like um, relationships with the coaches and stuff like that. So and I think he's dealt with that. A long, long time, I think he's really good at it. And so, um, he never really had with Toby Fall out for a while. So I think, like, if we can get back on track with that and, and less no drama and just, you know, just keep it common sense, I think. Yeah. Um, be, yeah. Like, I think that's the best thing.
1: Because I get, I just, I don't know the length of your remaining on your contracts and all that. But I suppose for you and someone like Chris Chinzer and Daffod Jenkins, young guys at Exeter, Reece Summit going to happen at some point, isn't it? At the moment, your next deal. If you don't sign it in Wales, then that's your international career over, which seems to be a bit of a waste of loads of talent that's over the bridge.
4: Yeah, and I, I like. I, and I'm not saying. Not, I'm not saying don't play in in the Welsh league whatsoever. But I. But you can't deny the, the, the talent and the skill and the training and the coaching that goes on at the Premiership, um, and the fact that these lads are going to be playing in the European Championship and like getting all these experiences and stuff. And I think, I, I think. I think it's just I think both avenues should be open, and like you said, these boys are now going to be put in a difficult situation. I don't know what they've done with their contracts, um, but they're going to be put in a difficult situation. And they're going to have to choose either to play for the country or, or, or play for the club, and I think it's going to be difficult. And that frustrates me because I, I feel like I feel like there should be both. You know, you should be able to do both. And I think I think in the end, in the long term, I think Wales would be better for it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So right, we're, we're turning into 2023, um, which is a huge year for everyone, isn't it? With all sorts of stuff coming, with titles on the line, World Cup, everything else. So to sign off, I'm going to jump this upon you. Your one wish for 2023 doesn't have to be a New Year's resolution, doesn't have to be a trophy or anything. But uh, what, what's Nick t- taking One thing. <laughs> what did you say? Sorry? Not being ill. <laughs> yeah. That hey, my, one my wish. On the field, what would you what would you say? What would be the one thing that if you this time next year you think really proud of achieving that? I mean how you gonna win the World Cup. There's no question. Mate. Easy. It's easy. More so than uh, the comeback title win with series.
4: Well now you're trying to you see now you're you're trying to put cameras fission. No, World Cup. Yeah. That was, yeah. It'd be nice to it would also be nice to tell what to to, to get back to a final with Saris and, and, and do the business, that would be pretty awesome. Maybe, a, you know, yeah, maybe
1: one day try and uh, do the double, one day with the European and the Prem, that would be amazing. Yeah. I'm trying to yeah. remember now, you, the times that you made the bench for one of the European Cup wins, didn't Yeah, you? yeah, yeah. I, I was
4: always in, yeah, always coming kind of in and around it. Uh, I've been on the bench for, what was it, the championship final? maybe one or two of them. Okay. Got on got on for one of them, then in prem. so I can't play them That's what
1: I reckon. <laughs> okay.
4: would be nice to start
1: but Yeah, perfect. All right, well, there you go. World Cup winners, Wales. That'd be a hell of a thing, wouldn't it? Don't quote me and say Nick Tompkins, expect
4: Wales to win the World Cup. Is, the I, feel role- like, I feel like that's going to be
1: there. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Don't worry. The wish. <laughs> well, Really appreciate all your time, Nick, and um, hope you get better soon. We're both snivelling, so we'll yeah, take next that. time and meet, we'll be full of beans and everything else. But thank <laughs> you, pal. Best of wishes, wishes, and everything else for the new year and Gloucester on Friday night and everything else. Appreciate you, mate. Thank you. Right, great there to hear from Nick Tompkins. They've got Gloucester on Friday night. Should be at Belter for Saracens, but. Up next, let's chat a bit about England. Uh, Steve Borthwick, the England coach, has been busy changing up his coaching team, guys. Out, Matt Proudfoot. He's now a consultant for a university team, the University of Stellenbosch in South Africa. Um, Some decent wine down there. Barnsley, right?
2: Very good, yes.
1: (laughs) Also, out, Brett Hodgson, who everyone who listens to the pod will know I like my stats. And the one for him was... He lasted just 56 days in his position, uh, which was 12 more than Liz Truss, and 18 more than quasi quarting. So, Steve, he's probably one of the great England defence coaches, you'd say. But what an impact in 56 days. Yes, exa- I thought he did, he did really
3: well. The way he drove into the training headquarters in a nice car and drove out again was was excellent. Um, I, I, I think, well, uh, this whole thing, is a massive black mark, yet another, for Eddie Jones. He came in and he said, not only will we we be doing this, this, this and this, none of which happened, but also he said, I will be bringing forward another generation of England coaches. Not only did he not do that, but the three coaches who were left, in the end, have had to be paid off because none of them were any good. Uh, and, And that's the legacy. So Steve Borthwick, possibly without uh, uh, you know enormous finances because of these these payoffs, is struggling. Now Matthew Proudfoot, as we said the other week, uh he was coach in New Zealand. Uh, he, sorry he was coach of South Africa during the last World Cup. He was forwards coach. He must have spoken to uh, Beast Matawa era every day for for four years or more <clears throat> and yet yet in the piece autobiography he does not get one mention. So that to me means he's not England class and these
1: people are the detritus left
3: behind by hopeless
1: Eddie well it's, the last one to have departed was Danny Kerry who was the uh, hockey uh, women's GB hockey coach who took them to the gold medal in the 2016 Olympics um, and actually as our colleague Owen Slop wrote around the Eddie saga in November he was a guy that wanted to leave six weeks after he joined so he has actually gone now he was a training consultant and actually what they'd be left with now, it's funny, isn't it, when the context changes and everything else. Um, they've got an entirely English backroom team now with Richard Cockrell, Martin Gleeson, Kevin Simfield, And if you count Richard Hill, who's the kind of team manager guy, he might be a bit more hands-on in the new era. Is that important, Stuart, that it's a sort of best of English against the best of everyone else?
2: No, I don't think it's important. You don't have to be English, but you have to be really committed and part of the, the setup. Do that. That's absolutely fine. Um, You know, we didn't want Eddie Jones out because he wanted to, because he was Australian. We thought he should go because he wasn't doing the adequate job. And, you know, there's no xenophobia nothing. No one cares about that. They've got to be the best people. Um, Whether they've got them, I don't know. Um, What I would say is, you know, I would have really liked a, a, a fresh attacking coach, someone to challenge uh, Steve Borthwick as it is, Martin Gleason is sort of probably relieved that he's still in the post, but before I sort of hammer away too much at him, it it, it can't have been easy for any of the assistant coaches um, in the last year or so um, because you never felt there was a sense of, of real independence in, in doing what they wanted to do um, and problem is you now are in a situation where you, you can't get to the end of the six nations and say, right, we're going to change. The change came at the very at, in time in terms of at the top. But now this is what England are left with. And and Steve Borthwick, I don't think it's the hand he would have preferred to have dealt to him, but uh, he's got to make the best of it.
1: Yeah. I, on that note, you just mentioned about not having the agency to do what you like. There was some chatter and just talked to people over the last few weeks, and it seemed that Martin Gleeson is actually quite popular among the players, but just was never given the rope at all. And he'd come up with a few ideas for the attack and present present them to the squad, and they everything else. And by the afternoon, they'd all been binned. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, cute. I, I feel I do feel sorry, as you were saying, for some of these assistants. And yeah, let's hope that it's... Uh, if the if this is the team to take them forward, then it's steady for a number of years and whatever else. Because the the revolving door, as uh, Eddie's advisor doesn't like us saying, um, which was accurate, yeah. <laughs> has been revolving for far too long. But right, well, one other thing there, very briefly. Uh, also, you know,
2: Danny Carey, a training coordinator. It takes me back, and I I keep bringing back this reference to cricket because it's it's significant. Brendan McCullum said he got rid of a lot of just people in the background in the changing room and ah uh, danny kerry so far in the background apart from his uh, olympic achievements i don't know what he was doing or, or did with rugby but it's just it, it's another voice it's another person i, I don't know what you think steve it's just another bit of clutter and clarity is what players want you know so totally agree totally agree you, when you see
3: these teams on the touch something now Arm in arm, at, 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 as they face the national anthem, There's about
1: really fifty of them. Absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Right. So there's not actually there's there's a meet up. So um, the players that are coming to there's two meetings. There was one in Liverpool yesterday. So we're recording this on Tuesday, uh, and today there's one in Gloucester for a few England players. There's no official squad being picked, so don't stand by your Twitter accounts or your papers waiting for that. And there's just a few gatherings, so that these players will meet some of these coaches. Um, but then there's be a full squad. Steve Berthick's full Six Nations squad will be later in the month, and I'm going to get both of you guys to do just one in and out. So from the guys who were in Eddie Jones's last squad and whoever's around the Premiership, because the floor is open now, isn't it? There's plenty of people who can come back into it. So Steve, should we start with you? Who would you? Who be yeah. one pick to add to this squad and maybe uh- what? Yes, I'll I just do it all in one
3: sentence with a couple of commas. Well, first of all, uh, I, I think it's a magnificent prospect that the team will be picked on, um, uh, on merit, also with what, what they say to Steve Borthwick in private. Merit selections, people who play out of their skins have got a chance of, of, go, of, of going there. Um, in terms of who I, I wouldn't pick, I think, I think Johnny, Johnny May is, is struggling for form. And then you've got, and so the people I would pick is um, uh, the people are uh, so the sort of new generation of wingers coming through. And uh, the person I'd leave out um, Johnny May, and uh, I would bring in, as soon as he's fit, Rafi Quirk, because I don't think that uh, uh, Paul, Paul Fleet, who was got, got a really bad uh, deal playing in that awful Eddie Jones team. I don't think he's ready or possibly just below the standard. So I think they need Raffi Quirk to come through, possibly Alex Mitchell. So I go Quirk in as soon as he's fit
1: and Johnny May out. Okay, Stuart, where are you going with yours?
2: Um, I want intelligence as well as edge. Um, Elliot Daly, I know took a bang of the weekend, but Daly's been magnificent. Yeah. He can start if you want. Uh he can cover the bench if if that's what Portthwood wants he he gives the team so much flexibility. I'd start him, but even if you don't want want him in the first fifteen, there's that flexibility out um nothing against him as a player. I think Oli Chesham is a fine player um, but he's one of these blokes who's uh, sort of he's a pretty good second row and he's a good back row. England have got people like Tom Pearson coming through to push a back row that is loaded with talent already. We don't need versatility at the moment in terms of second rows and back rows. What we need is a second, couple of second rows who are big monsters in, in the Lodgebury George Cruz style who will counterweight um, Maro Etoje, who's not quite as big. So, you know, I think Daly comes in, Chasem goes out, but only because he's a very good rugby player You've got so much in the back row and he doesn't give you what you need in the Thank second you. row.
1: Yeah, OK. I think mine, possibly harsh on Alex Coles, who was one of Eddie's more recent picks, came in, did OK, didn't disgrace himself. But I feel like in that vein, you're just talking about Barnsley. Yeah, let's have the best back row on the field. So Ben Earl, bring him in, and Alex Coles can drop out for the six days and see how he goes with Northampton. And well you're gonna have Ben Earl at twelve though, aren't you, Brandy?
2: I am, yes, because Steve Borthwick is gonna you know, he's gonna come back from Woodstock and he's gonna see the rightness of trying but Ben Earl, um, a couple of weeks ago, he played so beautifully standing at twelve. He's got such pace, he's got great hands. There is nothing wrong with thinking outside the box. Hey, and if it doesn't work, well so be it. You could put Dan Kelly in the squad and see what's going on there. You could have a look at Manu Alangi. But we haven't sorted out this 12 issue for a long time. So, you know, what the hell's wrong looking at him? And if Farrell's going to be the 10, then the Ben Earl situation, knowing what his mate does, and, and Elliot Daly, makes eminent sense. Well, well, I think I,
3: uh, I think that's great, uh, very interesting from Stuart. I've been thinking maybe someone along the same lines. And, and I just think they could give... Dan Cole a go at fullback I thought yeah I, it's a good it's a good thought Steve I like it he's not the fastest but he's got something about him. I
1: like it well I think that the Ben Earl at 12 thing would be a hell of an experiment he's only got nine, five tests proper tests to, to go through hasn't he Borsford, before they get into the warm ups but fascinating we'll see what he does That's, the proper score going to come much later in the month so we'll cover that off as soon as it gets there but coming up next, I think what we'll have to do is name our God, Goddess, or Devil of the Week. So let's get into that next. First time for 2023, God or Goddess of the Week. Steve, do you want First, to, to lead us off? Yes, I will. First of
3: all, Happy New Year to everybody, all our lovely readers, listeners, readers. How can you read the ruck? All our listeners. Um I usually try and find someone a slightly less left field, but today, no. Owen Farrell, it would be an insult if he wasn't chosen, not only for his performance on the field, but because of his excellent uh, words off the field where he did look like he was enjoying himself. And so Owen Farrell is my God of the Week, and I think it won't be the last time we pick him on the
1: rep. Perfect. Stuart? Stuart? Where are you going for yours?
2: Well, I'm just going to uh, repeat uh, a phrase Steve just used. Excellent words off the field. It is not Owen Farrell. It's Sia Khaleesi, the Springbok captain, who will be leaving uh, the Sharks and South Africa after the next World Cup to play for Racine 92. And in this era of ego-driven individualism, it was wonderful to hear his him speak in his press release. He said, I've always maintained that I am not a self-made man, and that is because I've been so fortunate to have benefited from the immense contribution of so many people in my life. There is someone with integrity and decency, and what a time to stay that. So Sia Khaleesi, World Cup winning Springbok captain, he's my god of the week. Good
1: with it. On that note, actually, he wasn't going to be my God of the Week, um, which I'll get to in a sec, but i better mention Kyle Sinclair, um, who over the... Just a couple of weeks before Christmas, I did a big piece with him where he went down and gifted an opportunity to a young boy in Croydon um, whose family had been struggling a little bit, but he's a very talented rugby player at Old Wick Giftians, juniors. Um, He's in the Quinn's Academy. It was a remarkable evening, a few... Brutally cold. It was minus three, I think, with snow on the ground on a Friday night. And Sinclair drove all the way from Bristol, surprised the lads, a load of 15 and 14-year-olds, did a QA, and a And then after it, um, brought his mum and the lad Tyree into a little room and and said, look, if you get your grades up, I'm going to give you a tutor, I'm going to help you out with your academics, and I can try and get you a place at a public school um, and advance your rugby career. And it was a remarkable thing for someone of Sinclair's stature to do for a young guy. So, fair play to him for that. So, that was possibly the god of about two weeks ago. Um, But the piece hadn't come out by then, so I'll do that now. So, well played to Sinclair. But, yeah, in terms of this week, I think, I mentioned them earlier, but I think I'm just going to give a joint award to everyone who played for sales forwards against Leicester. Yep. They absolutely took them to the cleaners. About two, well, there was one penalty try, a couple of other mall tries. Simon McIntyre got one as well. Um, Seriously dominant. And a nice way to end their year. And I think it could be a good year for Sale. They might not get all the way through in Europe because they've got one of the best teams to play against in Toulouse. But in the league, they're a coming side. So there you go. Sale, Sharks, Pack, you are a joint, joint gods of the week. That has been our first ruck of the year, the World Cup year. We're going to be doing them all the way through. It's going to be a very busy year, isn't it, lads, with World Cup warm-ups through August and then a World Cup at the end of it. And by... I don't know this time next year we'll have a new World Cup champion and everything else but for now thanks so much to Stuart Barnes thank you Will and thanks again to Stephen Jones turning into year 40 and fresh as anything that he did in 1983 or whatever else
3: (laughs) I'm just going to Gloucester to speak to Mr Sinfield
1: yeah there he is so yeah Stand by if, you, if you're if you on your Times app and everything else and buying the paper because there'll be a big chat with Kevin Sinfield. He's up with England um, later today on Tuesday. So Wednesday's paper, there'll be a big chat with him and he's always good value. So stand by for that. But for now, that has been the Ruck from the Times and the Sunday Times. Please follow, please subscribe, tell your mates and we'll see you all next time. Thanks.